Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon, Episode 10. Have you noticed how some definitions of words have changed over the years? I read an article this week about this very subject. It talked about how some words have taken on different meanings over the years. It gave a list of several examples, but the two that stuck out to me were the words troll and tweet. Now, when I was a little girl, I had a little doll-like thing. In fact, its hair would stick out all over its head. And to be honest, it, was, it looked friendly, but it was really ugly. That doll was called a troll. Tweet has always been a noise I think of when describing the sound a bird makes. The description of these words has changed. Evidently, nowadays, trolls are not funny-looking dolls, but rather those that sow discord on the internet by starting arguments or upsetting people. Also, I saw a picture on a red box kiosk of a picture of trolls. It looks like they've been morphed into something cute, and they've sort of tamed their hair, and now star in their own movies? Oh, and guess what? I learned now a tweet is a very short message posted on the Twitter website. Good grief, I'm getting old. Well, at least they're icons, a bird. Some meanings of words have definitely changed. I feel a similar way about the word hell. I remember when I was younger and I would hear the word hell, I would picture a place where the devil lived. It had tall flames of fire and had a lake that the water was only hot. And naughty people would have to live there forever with no escape. It was a bad place. Definitely a place I did not want to go. In my young mind, I was confused why Jesus would make a place like this and send people there as a punishment for always. Happily, I discovered I had misunderstood what hell was. 2 Nephi chapter 9 and chapter 33, as well as Jacob 3, are just a few places we find a word like hell wonderfully clarified. What's even better was the tie I found between the correct definition of the word hell and a personal experience had by a man recorded in the Book of Mormon. This personal story happens to a man named Zeezrom. You know this guy. We met him in chapter 11 of Alma. He's an arrogant, prideful, popular lawyer that tries to trip up Alma and Amulek with bribery, lies, and deceiving questions in Ammonihah. Remember, eventually he is caught in his lies, trembles at the words of Alma and Amulek. In fact, he begins sincerely asking questions and is eventually convinced of the power of God. Recognizing his fault in leading so many people astray, he pleads for the lives of Alma and Amulek. He attempts to defend them in front of the chief judge and all the people that are witnessing against them. He is cast out and the horrific scene of burning the women and children of the believers come to pass. 
I look closer at the many amazing truths Alma and Amulek teach throughout Alma chapters 9 through 15, I found it interesting that they seem to have a theme. The teachings were a lot about temporal and spiritual death, sin, repentance, hell, and a God that can save. Remember how back in another podcast, we've pointed out that sometimes it seems like specific doctrine is taught before an event occurs? The story of Zizezrum is another example. If we continue forward with this story, in Alma chapter 15, we find Zezrum sick in bed. Let's ask some questions. What is the symptom of Zezrum's sickness? We read it's what? A burning fever. Why is he so sick? Well, I'll tell you, sometimes you've got to be like the 1970s detective Columbo and realize clues that aren't obvious, but other times like these, the answers are dropped in our laps. The dropping starts in chapter 14, verse 6, and then lays answers out for us clearly in chapter 15, verse 3. Again, we ask, why is he so sick? We read, chapter 14, verse 6 says, And it came to pass that Zeezrom was astonished at the words which had been spoken. And he also knew concerning the blindness of the minds which he had caused among the people by his lying words. And his soul began to be harrowed up under a consciousness of his own guilt. Yea, he began to be encircled about by the pains of hell. In chapter 15, verse 3, it says, And also Zeezrom lay sick at Sidon with a burning fever, which was caused by the great tribulations of his mind on account of his wickedness. For he supposed that Alma and Amulek were no more, and he supposed that they had been slain because of his iniquity. And this great sin, and his many other sins, did harrow up in his mind until it became exceedingly sore, having no deliverance. Therefore he began to be scorched with a burning heat. He's feeling bad physically. We are told he has a fever. However, nothing is mentioned about a cold, flu, or disease. The description of Zeezrom's mental and emotional state make the answer to this question easy to find. To put it simply, Zeezrom, it seems, is worried sick. He has realized he is responsible for spreading lies that has led many people astray. He is aware of his many other sins, and in addition to all these worries, he is concerned that Alma and Amulek are slain because of what he did. Everything looks grim, and it looks like it will stay that way because he feels he has no deliverance. Isn't this very similar to what Zeezrom and the people of Ammonihah were taught when they were describing what hell was like? Isn't this sickness described as being scorched with a burning heat? Or wasn't his torment as a lake of fire whose flame ascended up forever and ever? I think it must have felt like it would never end. Because when I read in verse 4, when he heard Alma and Amulek had not been slain, his heart began to take courage. I believe his heart began to take courage because he now had hope in what these great men of God could do for him. Yes, he understood Alma and Amulek knew how he could be delivered from his worries and regrets. He sent for them immediately. When Alma and Amulek arrived, Zeezrom's immediate request was what? To be healed. Notice the first question Alma asks isn't a physical inquiry. Like, how long have you been sick? Or, what's your temperature? 
You see, both Zeezrom and Alma were on the same page right out of the gate. They both knew what had to be done to make things right. It's obvious that Alma's question was directed at the state of his spiritual sickness. Because he asks, First, believest thou in the power of Christ unto salvation? Not wanting to give any doubt, Zeezrom answered and said, Yea, I believe all the words that thou hast taught. And Alma said unto him, If thou believest in the redemption of Christ, thou canst be healed. And he said, Yea, I believe according to thy words. And then Alma cried unto the Lord, saying, O Lord our God, have mercy on this man, and heal him according to his faith which is in Christ. We learn after Alma had said this, Zeezrom leaped upon his feet and began to walk. And Alma baptized Zeezrom unto the Lord, and he began from that time forth to preach unto the people. I thought I knew what hell was. Then I read the Book of Mormon. Similar to the words troll and tweet, the description of this word has also changed for me. Because of this book, my knowledge and understanding of what hell is goes well beyond fire, lakes that are always hot, and a place for naughty people to live forever with no escape. I have made the delightful discovery the meaning of words I thought I understood are made clearer. I know there's a deliverer, even Jesus Christ. He's the only someone that can heal me and deliver me from pain and sickness that sins bring. What a wonderful thing to know that some things will never change. It's not important you discover it first. It's more important to discover it for yourself. Slow pace, give space. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon dash discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.